Hi everyone, I'm David. I support Gen X Grown Up on Patreon, and you should too. Don't you want to keep this great content coming? So you know what to do. Go to genxgrownup.com slash Patreon and just do it. Gen X Grown Up is a YouTube channel website and audio podcast you're listening to right now. All made for and by people who love exploring media, games, tech, and toys of yesterday and today through the eyes of Gen Xers who refuse to grow up. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown-up. Welcome back, Gen X Grown Up podcast listeners, to this Backtrack edition of the Gen X Grown Up podcast. I am John. Joining me as always, of course, is George. Hey, how's it going, guys? You know that Mo is here. Hey, everybody. You know, in the summer of 1983, the third installment in George Lucas's blockbuster science fiction series hit theater screens. The Force was stronger than ever as Return of the Jedi brought a thrilling and satisfying conclusion to that original trilogy and laid the groundwork for what would come decades later. In this episode, we remember and celebrate the 40th anniversary of Star Wars (laughs) Return of the Jedi. That's some bullshit right there. Yeah, It should not be 40 years years old. Yeah, that's Good that doesn't Lord. work. Yeah, <laughs> Can I, we back mm-mm. that off a little bit? Yeah, twenty, twenty, be all right. Forty years, Ooh. holy cow! This is a biggie. This, is big. you guys, you guys are more the Star Wars experts, of course, and so this is one of those where I'm going to hold on tight and try to keep up as these guys run through their Star Wars knowledge. <laughs> but there's so much in Jedi, and look, I love it. I'm a fan, but I'm just not the super fan that many people are. So I have to let the super fans run this, or we're going to get an email saying what the hell was John talking about. So I thought that was more prudent. <laughs> <laughs> Before we jump into that, it is time though for some fourth listener email uh, and this time around the fourth listener is butter spider longtime oh, okay. listener yeah. and supporter yeah. and this uh, pretty well aimed i think at Yumo. we talked about having the expert talk about what they know Uh-oh. butter spider wrote in to say i really enjoyed this week's episode mo did a fantastic job with the deep dive info on dungeons and dragons oh okay. oh dnd Phew. right okay <laughs> thank you <laughs> wait, what is it i did i don't know <laughs> Well, because he didn't like spell out what yeah, he just said this yeah. week's, but we were doing this later. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, it goes on to say um, there were some things I never knew. I love D&D from the first time I played. Probably started in the sixth grade, I think. That was a basic and advanced. Mm-hmm. I still have all my original books and dice. I nice. love when wow. people have their, their old stuff. Oh, That's great. I'm jealous of people who have that. <laughs> so, hated those crayon dice. <laughs> I still have my crayon dice from the basic set with a grease so, pencil. Yeah. Well, I've heard people say that before that they didn't like. I loved taking the dice and coloring it in with the crayon and then wiping it off. That was one of my favorite things. Now, they look amateurish by the awesome dice you can get today. Oh, yeah. But it's a nostalgia factor. It's like, I remember coloring that in. Like, I drew that six on the side of that die when I was 12 years old, you know? But that's what I'm saying. That technique of rubbing the die you know, the crayon across the die's face to get the crayon inside mm-hmm. the, and they I use that now on multiple things. Like every time I see something that's Im- embedded in, I'm like, Oh, I can't see that. Let me get a crayon. Like make it highlight. See there. <laughs> yeah. Dungeons and dragons taught you life skills. That's great. It did. There you go. <laughs> Uh, he goes on to say, but I loved all the charts and tables. I would also repeatedly page turn through the books just for the artwork. Yeah. It was mm, great. Yeah. Mm. Yes. And he goes, and the graph paper. How do you, oh my oh God. God. Yeah. talking about the graph paper. Well, <laughs> right? there's the squares and then there's the hexes and the yeah. octagons and all the, that's it's so cool. Because it wasn't the, the hexes were like for overland for, travel yeah, usually. For out, and, outdoor yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. You're, you're right. Uh, it says, I love drawing out the maps as we went along and never had miniatures, but it was never a problem. We just visualized yeah. where we yeah. were. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was so much of a theater of the mind game back then. So many good times. My friend's mom threw away the book 
books during the scare that we spoke about a bit. I helped him go dig them all out later before the trash truck came and stored the contraband until the storm passed. Good Good man, man, Butter Spider. Well done. That's right. Yep. Uh, I've played 5e recently in person and the online during the pandemic. It's fun, but I think I still enjoyed AD&D more. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, we've heard quite a bit of feedback back from the Dungeons and Dragons episode. It's just the backtracks really, I love when they resonate with people as it yeah. did with Butter Spider. And I'm, I'm appreciative that he hit us up over on Discord over at genxgrownup.com slash Discord. Got your plug in there, George. Nice. There you mm-hmm. go. Appreciate that. <laughs> We'd love any time a fourth listener reaches out to us. If you would like your email featured here on the show, it's so easy. Just uh, drop us a line at podcast at genxgrownup.com. We read every single one and most of them like Butter Spiders who hit us up on Discord instead will eventually make the show. All right. It is finally time. You guys are braced. I'm ready to hang on for dear life. We're going to work our way through Star Wars Return of the Jedi as soon as we get back from this quick break. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation. As a country, we need these stories more than ever. Stories from Americans who have borne the battle, including 30-year-old remastered interviews with veterans from World War I recounting their time in the trenches of Europe, and with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and from our most recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other battlefields Americans may never have heard of. Hear their stories by listening to Warriors in Their Own Words wherever you find podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to or follow Gen X Grown Up wherever you listen. And while you're there, rate and review the show, too. It helps more than you know. Return to a galaxy far, far away. Here we go again. Return to Jabba the Hutt. You will bring Captain Solo and the Wookiee to me. Return to the Death Star. Obi-Wan has taught you well. Return to the Ewoks of Endor. Not bad for a little furball. But most of all, return for the fun of it. Return of the Jedi, rated PG. Now playing at a selected theater near you. So I'm going to start by saying what we're not going to talk about in this podcast. (laughs) That feels anticlimactic. Which is... I like the negative. There we go. (laughs) That's right. We're not going to cover the story. George is on board. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to cover a story. You should know this story. If you don't know That's this fair. story, I mean, come on. Right. Why did you click on this episode? Yeah, really. <laughs> um, I'm sure we'll hit on points throughout this whole episode, sure. but we're not going to yeah. actually do like, here's the plot of the story. I mean, everyone knows that. So, but we are going to talk about like kind of what went into making the movie. Right. Okay. One thing I didn't realize is that it was actually supposed to be one year after The Empire Strikes Back is when timeline wise when it was supposed to occur. So only a year is supposed to have passed between those two, the end of that movie and the beginning of this one. That makes sense though. I mean, yeah, because it does. You can tell Luke is coming to his own in some of those first yeah. scenes. Mm-hmm. And sure. that oh, needed yeah. some time, at least yeah. for him to get the ego, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> to say that he's a Jedi, right? Now, at this point, you know, the first two movies did so well. Lucas had $32 million budget for this one, which is... That's pretty big for back then. Yeah, not yeah. nothing for back then. Mm-hmm. 82 money, $32 million. Money. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Whew. One thing that shocked me is they filmed the entire thing 
in 82 January to May. That's it. Ooh, that's a long schedule. Yeah. I mean, but that's, they filmed that. They filmed every, well, they had to wait for, I guess they did a lot of uh, scene changes. They had a lot of locations they had to go to for this oh, yeah. particular one yeah. and all that stuff. So it right. definitely took a while. Uh, Lucas personally financed this movie. <laughs> he had the money. Why not? He's got that action figure money, man. And right? he wanted, I think he wanted all the <laughs> residuals and everything. He wasn't sharing it with nobody. Well, no, he'd gotten a taste of what it was yeah. for this behemoth monetary mm-hmm. yeah. force. And he only got in the first film, he only got the toy money, really. Second yep. film, I think he got a little bit he more, got more with, with the this toy one, money. Yeah. But this yeah. one, though, he's like, yeah, that's it. And it was the first one not directed by Lucas of the three. Right. Right. Actually, Spielberg was his first choice. No. Oh. Well, by then they were already collaborating on indie, right? So yeah. th- they were a team that knew how to put when a film together. When did Jones together, come right? out? I thought Jones was 84. Uh, was it? Was it that Jones late? Came, no, no. A. Jones came like out 80. 80. No, 82. Really? Yeah. Oh, I was oh, it's right school. in there. Okay. Yeah, I was right. early days right in that school. range. Okay. But then, yeah, Spielberg was his first choice, but he couldn't do it. He went asked David Lynch, you know, from like Twin Peaks. Uh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Dodged but a But he couldn't do it. So then eventually he found, you know, the director, which I know, I think, George, you're going to cover that when you start talking about like cast and crew and stuff and this stuff. But right. So the original title for the movie, which I actually knew about this one, was Revenge of the Jedi. Mm. Right. There were, there was like, you can find early posters yeah, and stuff, have, like promotional stuff. Yeah. Do you? Yeah, oh. yeah, that has Revenge of the Jedi. But then, because they first thought Return of the Jedi was just like kind of weak, is what they thought at the time. Mm-hmm. But then when they said Revenge of the Jedi, Lucas said, you know, Jedi are not about revenge. So oh. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. It doesn't yeah, make sense. Right. So then they went right. back to the Return of the Jedi. Although it's funny, the working title, because they're keeping it secret, was Blue Harvest. I don't know why. Right. <laughs> but that was like what they called it, like in all the everything moving up to it. They were going to harvest our money. They should have called it Green Harvest. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> the only reason I know that was the like the development name or the code name mm-hmm. is because when Family Guy did their parody of Jedi, they called it Blue Harvest. Oh, did they? <laughs> yeah, it was like Family Guy, Blue Harvest. They use the <laughs> right. code name for the film. Yeah. That's Otherwise, cool. I would not have known that. Uh, there was a lot of question about whether Han Solo was going to be in the movie because Harrison Ford was the only one that only signed a two movie deal, not three. Mm-hmm. So hmm. the original script actually had him dying in the opening. What a different movie this would have been. Oh, yeah. Oh, my very goodness. Different. Not just the movie, the franchise. That's true. The oh, franchise. of course. Right. Oh, yeah. The whole right? franchise. Right. You're right. Good point. No kidding. But so they wound up, they got Harrison Ford to agree to it. I'm sure they gave him a ton of money. Spoiler and- alert, he is in the film. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's one of the things that has always bothered me about Harrison Ford is that's the first time I've heard. I mean, it's not the first time I've heard that story. I'm saying this is the first time I've heard him doing this in a movie. And ever since, and it's always colored my judgment of how he behaves. Oh, yeah. Because he always seems to be a prima donna kind of an actor to yeah. me. Well, he was the only one out of the whole crew, pretty much, that he had Indiana Jones come out before this movie. Mm-hmm. So he had another franchise. So he had yeah. another franchise to work on. So, you know, what's interesting is that you say, George, it colored your opinion of Ford, but. I've seen recent interviews with him just in the last couple of months around the new Indiana Jones film that's coming. And the thing is, he doesn't have attachments to his characters. It's just Hmm. work for him. I mean, he likes the work and he likes putting in the work and he likes the results. But this interviewer asked him, what's it going to be like for you? uh, you, The last time you're going to put on the hat (laughs) to be Indiana Jones for the last time. Is that is anything for you? And he's like, I'm just not wired that way. And I'm sorry if that disappoints you. I'm not going to miss Indiana Jones. I did that work and I'm proud of that work and I'm moving on to other stuff. I don't feel that way. I think Hmm. that's why we are attached to his characters, but he's not. 
Right. So it feels like he's that being part's a prima fine, donna. But yeah. it's the stuff that he's done behind the scenes to elevate himself above oh, other yeah. people. That's the oh, part he, that he is a cocky guy. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I'm, not, yeah. I'm not defending that. But I think we I think we paint onto him that he's like he's crass about it and he just doesn't feel the same way that we do about his characters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It might yeah. also be a good excuse. Yeah, okay, sure. Maybe. <laughs> maybe so. Yeah, maybe. He uses that as a shield. Yeah. But a couple of things I found that they had changed from the original script mm. was that um, Yoda was not supposed to be in it originally, the original script that they right. did. But then they felt that it, they didn't have enough closure from the second movie with him seeing Yoda mm. and stuff that they needed They needed to have Yoda in it. You know, now that you mentioned that, the scene with Yoda feels very compartmentalized. Oh, like, it was. That could have hit the cutting room floor. It totally like, could have. Luke is like, well, I have to go take Sarah some business. And he goes to finish his training and Yoda says you're all done. But I can see how that could have just been just something you talked about in dialogues. I went to see Yoda and he said I was done and he died. Right. You wouldn't have to have the, but I'm glad he was. There were other parts too. Like I I distinctly remember suppositions and interviews and stuff from different people involved with the film that Yoda was supposed to already be dead and be a force ghost in the third film. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Wow. The um, the couple of things that were different is that they weren't supposed to be Ewoks. They were supposed to be Wookiees. Right. I had heard I think would have been a cooler movie. (laughs) (laughs) I personally do. I mean, we saw Sort of got that in the prequels a little bit. We yeah, saw a right. Wookiee planet mm-hmm. for a brief yeah. second. I think it was technically difficult to have that many Wookiee characters. That's the only reason I could think of why they didn't go that direction. Maybe they didn't have as many seven foot actors yeah. available to them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I had always heard that maybe it was just like budgetary. It could have been. Like it was easier to make a bunch of a bunch of small costumes than it was to make a bunch of big detailed. You can imagine a, a Chewbacca costume was probably four times the cost of an Ewok costume. Yes, yeah, so uh, yeah. I don't know if that's true. That's is what I always heard. And nothing I learned, which this would have been weird, is the original script had Obi-Wan, Yoda, and Anakin literally returning to life and joining oh, that party the at the end. Oh, the scene where there's a ghost yeah. at the end that he looks up oh, at Oh, at the yeah. end. They were actually literally supposed to come back to life. Like the Force was supposed to bring them back. Which I'm so glad that never happens. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, so let me ask you, Star Wars experts. And so when I watch Jedi, at the end of it, where there's the celebration mm-hmm. and there's the ghost appear, and then later they add, you know, they change out the ghost with other actors. Yeah. Stuff. That's, that part's irrelevant. Right, right. The point is, that always felt so weird to me. I mean, I got that while he was on Dagobah talking to Yoda, or maybe right after Yoda passed, he had a discussion with the ghost Obi-Wan. of Obi-Wan. Right. Mm-hmm. And I kind of got that, but he was there for a, like it was a spiritual reason that he was there. It always felt artificial to have those actors go standing off observing and going, very nicely done, well done. I mean, they could observe their friends from the afterlife without being Appearing. there. It just felt like pandering to get the actors back on the screen one more time. Maybe yeah. that, maybe it's too gospel. Maybe it's too sacrosanct to talk about that no, way. No, no, it, it's pandering to the audience. I yeah. get that. You definitely have Obi-Wan's ghost in multiple locations throughout all three of the films, right? He's in mm-hmm. the cockpit in his ear in the first film. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, He's right. on um, Hoth in the second film, right? Go He's directing Luke where to go. Oh, right. Right? Yep, yep. And then he Dagobah in yeah. the third film. So yep. he's all over the place. And then he ends up on Indoor in the third mm-hmm. film. I think to me, what they're trying to display in that moment is more of these were the angels on his shoulder kind mm-hmm. of a feeling. Yeah. Like the guardian angels of Luke, even though one of them is Anakin that, you know, yeah. horrifically right. they replaced not much with of an angel. <laughs> Christensen later. But I think that's what it felt like they were trying to convey. Hmm. Yeah. I also think they wanted to show that he did redeem Darth Vader, you know, at the end. That's another, yeah. You know, that he actually did redeem him. He saved him. Yeah. Right. So, so, so he's now in the same stature as, right. as a Yoda. And an, oh, yeah, no, and a, right. Which uh, is Obi-Wan. why he's not okay. Vader in the ghost. He's Anakin. Of course, right. he's Anakin. Yeah, it makes sense. Okay, interesting. Yeah. All right, thanks it's for weird. that. Yeah. 
now this is this may have something to do with the Ewoks too. This thing is that Lucas made a lot of decisions based on merchandising. Oh, <laughs> oh. did we mention he bankrolled the whole thing himself? Yeah, <laughs> what a surprise! Like Han Solo not dying at the beginning. They said because he said that Han Solo character. He said we say I think it was a quote that you can't sell a dead Han Solo figurine. <laughs> <laughs> and then they put him in carbonite and they sell the shit out of that figure. Right. Right? <laughs> I I think for me. It's also, it's not just that he based it on merchandising. He didn't have an editing button in this one. And by that, yeah. I mean his wife, yeah. who was mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. main story editor on the first two films, was out of the picture on the third yeah. one. So he was surrounded by a bunch of yes men type of people on that third film. And that's why, for me at least, a lot of that film goes off the rails into what the fuck is he thinking here? But yeah, like his cute, like the cutesy part. So I was like, what the heck is, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, mm-hmm. it didn't make sense. She would have slapped the Ewoks in the mouth. Oh yeah, she definitely. No question yeah. about it. And the original movie, they wanted like a Western kind of, an old Western ending where Luke saves everybody and he kind of walks off by himself into the distance. You know, like mm-hmm. the hero leaves. They got that in the later films, I guess. So like instead of the celebration, instead right. he's just off on his own. He's off on his know? own, but then he didn't like that one too because he wanted like a nice upbeat, feel good hmm. ending. And again, because he thought, because of a marketing standpoint. And one thing I found also was that when he was testing the film, you know, the sound, you know, the, the music and stuff was so important on this movie, you know, the sound effects, all that good stuff, that they ran a bunch of tests in theaters and mm-hmm. he couldn't get the sound right. It just sounded bad. He said that he couldn't hear the music or the vocals were too low or whatever. So what did he do? He started a whole company called THX. All <laughs> oh, right, yeah, <laughs> to make sure the Jedi was projected. To properly. make sure that he got the sound quality he wanted in the theaters for it, he created a whole. Get Lucas money, do what you want. Yeah, I mean Skywalker sound THX. I mean they make they were in every movie after that. I mean that was like the standard, you know, for sound. I mean, half of the stuff that he created out of these films became industry standards yeah. for every film after that. Absolutely, it just for as weird as Lucas seems, like personally, when I see mm-hmm. him, he's kind of aloof and weird. It's like he takes a shit in a cup and generates a multi-billion dollar industry out of it. It's like somehow he's got his finger on the pulse of what everything in the film industry needed and he was on the bleeding edge of it and started it somehow. So you got to give him credit for that. There's a level of genius there that I'm not appreciating apparently. Well, I think he also didn't kind of accept things as they were. Like, oh, you can only do X, Y, Z because that's the limitation. He's like, no, we can do better. Yeah, why? Here, I'm going to start this company and we'll do better. I don't agree with all of his decisions, but what I do agree with is his his ability to stick to what he wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No matter yeah. what anybody said around him, it, there were very few instances when people talked him out of something. His wife did on the first couple <laughs> of films, thankfully. But for the most part, if it was something he felt was important, that was it. It was done. Yeah. The other thing is like during the production of this movie, ILM, you know, Industrial Light and Magic, mm-hmm. which he started for the right. special effects, their schedule was so tight that they were running 20 hours a day, six days a week for over six weeks to get all the special effects done. I mean, they mm-hmm. said it was the biggest grind they said that they've ever had. And there are about 900 special effects in the original movie, like individual effects. <laughs> and, and you know, the company couldn't tell him no, because he owned it. Yeah, no, right, he owned it. Right. Right. We'd like a day off. Nope. 20 hours nope. a day. Get busy. It's Sunday. You can take half a day. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing I found, which this has nothing to do with anything, but I just thought it was funny because it reminds me of Godzilla, is the Rancor was mm-hmm. originally a guy in a suit. Like what, during <laughs> testing or something? That's what they first tried to film, was a guy in a suit. Oh, like Godzilla. They couldn't get it to work. Yeah. And so then they went to the claymation stop yeah. motion stuff. I would love to see that suit. <laughs> <laughs> to see the footage. Right. <laughs> I felt when watching it, I watched things from a 
different kind of eye because of my video production background. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about, well, oh, I see the I see the mat lines or I see they didn't quite cut this right or whatever. And I noticed it's it's a mix of technologies, the Rancor, which I think is a neat thing. Sometimes it's a puppet. Sometimes it's stop motion. I would have sworn a couple of shots were a guy in a suit, but maybe not. Maybe it was maybe, just maybe. a puppet. It looked live action, not stop motion, I guess. Maybe okay. that was a puppet. I don't maybe know. Maybe they kept a couple of the scenes. Maybe they, maybe shots, cover shots or suits, something. They might as well. <laughs> but they know. did it well because they blended the whatever yeah. the puppetry and the stop motion or whatever. They matched. Mm. And, you know, and he grabs the, the pig man and just swallows yeah. him and chops him down. You know, the crunch into the bone. Bones, like, <laughs> and it's squealing. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, the squeak. <laughs> <laughs> <You're right. laughs> I mean, a lot went into making this movie. Even though it was the third movie, a, mm. a lot of work. And you know, he was not definitely not one to sit on the laurels of what he did before. He definitely kept wanting to push and do more and more with each movie that came out. Paid off. What was it like to be there for historical sports moments and unforgettable performances? To be behind the scenes. On PressBox Access, you'll hear from me, Todd Jones, and other sports writers about their experiences with the greatest athletes, coaches, and sports events of the past half century. We'll share some stories behind the stories, some big, some small, and some we've only told each other. Let us buy you around on PressBox Access. You're listening to Gen X Grown Up. But if you have a friend who's not yet listening, why not? Tell them about us. They'll thank you later. In a galaxy far, far away, you are needed as a rebel pilot. Become one in the Return of the Jedi Death Star Battle Home video game. Your mission, fly Millennium Falcon through enemy force field while battling TIE interceptors. Ultimately penetrate and destroy the Death Star before its completion. But beware, the Death Ray can stop you. Time is running out. Save the Rebels. Play Return of the Jedi Death Star Battle from Parker Brothers. If you can stand the pressure. Moe had exactly one metric ton of (laughs) super great facts about how that (laughs) film got made. And I have the privilege of telling you about the people, but I'm not going to go into a bunch of facts on them because 90% of the cast are people, everybody listening to the podcast, just like, you know, the story and we're not going over that, you know, these people, Mm -hmm. right? You know what they've done in their careers since then. And it's just important just to take time to highlight them and Mm. mention them by name. I think. Oh yeah, for sure. That hadn't occurred to me until just now when you said that, George, there aren't any nobodies in this mm. list of people, no. there's like <laughs> wow. two or three that you might. Oh, that's the name of that right. person. But right. still, mm-hmm. uh, first of all, the one who you probably don't know the name of, as Mo mentioned earlier, the director <laughs> for this ended up being a guy named Richard Marquand. OK, he is probably most famous after this for the next most famous film he did was a film called Jagged Edge. Oh, I don't know yeah. if you remember. It was a Glenn Close kind of drama yeah. film. No. And then just a couple of years after that, he died. 1987. Oh, really? So oh, man. his career probably would have been pretty solid. Yeah. But unfortunately, he passed away. So no, we wow. didn't get a lot of his work. You know, was he youngish or any idea? Uh, no, I'm not I mean, sure. He was born in 37. So he was 50. So okay. younger so he's still had a lot now. Of, yeah, yeah, he's still a lot, yeah, yeah, but, a lot of life. You yeah. know, at, I think as directors go in Hollywood, mm-hmm. they seem to hit that maturity range between their 40s, sure. mid 40s and mid 50s. And so he was in the middle of that golden yeah. zone, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Would have been good to see, but unfortunately we lost him. That's too bad. Who we didn't lose, and mm. we still have today, thank <laughs> God, mm. is probably the greatest ambassador of all the actors for these no films. No kidding. 
yeah. oh, is man. Mark Hamill. And he may also have been the person most hurt by these films out of all the main oh, actors that were career wise, you mean, or career wise. Yeah. So mm. if you look at the others, right, the big three. So you got Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker. You got Harrison Ford as Han Solo. You got Carrie Fisher as Leia Organa. Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher went on to stupendous careers oh, afterwards. Sure. Yeah. Good Mark point. Hamill toiled in obscurity. Yeah. For the better part of 25 or 30 years after those films and really just kind of had to live on nostalgia from those of us who love the films. And, yeah. and that was in that valley where there was likely not going to be any more Star Wars done. So he had, if that's all he could do, nobody's doing it. He had, he couldn't get work. I didn't thought and of that. And then the ultimate Lucas slap in the face with his penis. Just, <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> extra slap. But he, Lucas says, oh, we're going to do three more films. By the way, you're not in any of them. Oh, Fuck off. Yeah. Wow. I hadn't I thought mean, of it from that perspective. Damn. John, you know, we talk about Weird Al. We've talked about on this show multiple times because you and I are mm -hmm. huge fans. There's yep. the line from the Weird Al Star Wars theme song where he's talking, you know, how he had the three year, the three movie contract I had to sign says mm -hmm. I'll be making these movies till the end till of time. The end of time Yoda. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's what happened to Mark Hamill. But at no time in at least his public persona, have I ever seen the man deride these films or what they've yeah. done. He has been the best ambassador and he You're has, right. he has done stuff. I think of, there's a Kevin Smith film. It's um, Jay and Silent Bob going to Hollywood mm -hmm. and there's a movie being made about their characters. And in one scene, they're in the bat cave thing of their characters. And Mark Hamill comes out as cock knocker, got this giant <laughs> fist and they've got lightsabers and George Lucas going to sue somebody. But under his <laughs> under his image, when he comes out on screen and says, hey, everybody, it's Mark Hamill. It's, <laughs> he's never been he's never been Harrison Ford about it. That's yeah, what right. I love yeah. about Mark Hamill. I almost feel Mark Hamill like followed the the Adam West model of if I'm typecast, let me find a way mm -hmm. to make lemon aid out of the lemons. Yeah. Now he did do some great voice acting work oh, in yeah. the mid nineties, right? Yeah. He did some great animation stuff in the Batman universe on DC's animated Joker. Side. What a Joker, Joker he is. Oh, Joker God voice. Lord. I mean, just crazy stuff. But he really got hurt the most. Now, Harrison Ford, you guys have heard me talk about him. We've got him on the list. Just not a big fan of his. He's the best actor for that character, I think. I don't think I could see anybody else doing it. I just, you know, yeah, I'm just not a, a fan of the guy. It's hard not to map his real life personality onto a little bit of the character. Yeah. But because he's that kind of a cocky, self-important guy, so is Han Solo. You know, yeah. right. it's like, who else could have been Tony Stark but Downey Jr.? Well, because he's uh, that guy already, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's not really acting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is it acting? Right. <laughs> I mean, you got Carrie Fisher, who was mm -hmm. the sweetest, most angelic person in the first film, all the way through to the tough as nails broad mm -hmm. in the second. And then the twisted up, torn apart by her love and her brother and everything in the third film. I thought her character arc was really well done, and I thought she played it beautifully. 
You've got some returns as well. You got Billy D. Williams coming back as Lando Calrissian. Yeah. That was such an odd casting. Smoothest Colt 45 <laughs> drinking motherfucker on the planet. That was such an odd casting. It works. It definitely works. It, it but worked, it was an right? odd casting choice. Mm-hmm. I, it, it was. It was. Now you know the character was later portrayed by uh, Donald Glover, who yeah, I thought that works embodied too, right? Billy solo D. Williams <laughs> yeah. really well, even though the film wasn't that great. You know, you guys are going to jump on me for this, but it wasn't uh, until I was rewatching. Jedi that I remembered how big of a part that how big of a part Lando had in Jedi. Mm-hmm. I, of course, he was a big deal in Empire, right? He's yeah. in the Cloud City, he's in all this stuff. And I forgot, but as soon as I saw him in the mask, kind of incognito in Jabba's palace, I'm like, right. What? Lando is here? I'd forgotten how a big part he still had in the film because he's, he becomes, he didn't have to be Lando Calrissian. That character could have been any rebellion general. Yeah. It's just they used him and they repurposed him, it felt to me. I don't a know if I'm off bit. base yeah, with that. I mean, but. They, they evolved the character very quickly between yes, the Yes, he's films. not the same character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. year has definitely passed. Yeah, But I think they did it because they realized they had the talent to do it with. And Billy okay. D. Williams, for all of his foibles, is an amazing talent on screen. Now, somebody who was also an amazing talent on screen, but has complained endlessly about what he had to do in these films (laughs) is Anthony Daniels, a C-3PO. That man will not shut up about how unfriendly that suit was to his body during those three films. I remember seeing a scene as a kid of the first Star Wars. It was one of these making ofs they used to put on TV. Mm -hmm. And they had one for the first movie in the sand dunes. It was a real desert they were in. And him walking, Mm -hmm. also just like collapsing. (laughs) Like he just like passed out because it was like so hot. And the funny thing is that I think he has played C-3PO in every incarnation of that character that there has been animated Mm -hmm. movies, everything. There was a time when they were going to recast C-3PO in these latest films and they said, no, 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 we've got to have Anthony Daniels. And they had to talk him into it. He didn't want to come back for these last three. Oh, yeah. But you don't see him. I'm glad they did. (laughs) I'm glad they did too. (laughs) Now, somebody who did not complain about the suits that he had to wear in this film, Kenny Baker. God love Mm. him. Mm. That tower of a man, and I know I'm saying that you know, <laughs> because of his physical stature, played R two D two in all of those films, and you want to talk about a horrible costume to have to put on? Holy, it's just in a box. Yeah. yeah, and he was doing all of the work inside that unit. He's rotating the head, flashing mm-hmm. the light, like. All that stuff is around him and everything. Ugh. Crazy. He had to become an engineer to run. Like he's a special effects engineer, basically. Yeah, and exactly. an actor at the same time. And yeah. then they said, by the way, we ran out of people to put in the Ewok costume. So go be Poplu, if you don't mind. <laughs> if you don't be mind. Be an Ewok, too. So mm. he jumped into that. You guys mentioned earlier it was supposed to be Wookiees instead of Ewoks. Well, yep. we did get Peter Mayhew back. Yes. Oh. God rest his soul. God, yes. Uh, back as Chewbacca. That was awesome. John, your favorite puppet, Yoda, mm. back in the movie with Frank yes. Oz doing the puppetry and the voice. A Muppet I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, God. Uh, and then we get to one of those names that you guys may not, well, Mo will recognize. John, you might not. Jeremy Bullock oh, yeah. came back as Boba Fett. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I don't know him for other stuff. I know the name from Jedi, but I don't I don't recognize him as an actor outside of it. Exactly, because this yeah. is really his only mainly what he's did. done. Is that it? With yeah. his acting career, yeah. This was, you know, the second film. He did have some a few speaking lines because of the success and everybody loving him in the second film and now in the third film. But, of course, we lose him to the Sarlacc pit early right. on in the film. We find out now, 30 some odd years later, that we get him back, which yeah. was a great 
thing to do. Um, they so cast did a that happen actor. in like Mandalorian stuff? How did I haven't watched all those? Is that they brought him yeah, back somehow? So there, Mandalorian season two, we see the return of Boba Fett because he comes back to get his armor that Mando the Mandalorian mm-hmm. has found. Okay, right on Tatooine. Yeah. After season two of The Mandalorian, they do a first season of Boba Fett, the book of Boba Fett that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. All of those storylines take place about a year after Return of the Jedi. Oh, so Sarlacc Pit, not as deadly as we once suspected. Well, he had armor. He had the armor to help him. He had the Beskar armor, which Which uh, is basically impenetrable. He still got kind of screwed up, though. It's not airtight, apparently. Or not watertight. Well, <laughs> it, but it, maybe it is because they fly in space in the last season of Mandalorian. Oh. So who the hell knows, who knows with those suits? Okay. All right. They got some kind of magical force force shield or some shit. Who knows? Um, <laughs> the one guy that for years, I didn't realize it was the same actor playing this character throughout all of the films that the character has been involved in. Yeah. Ian McDormand yeah. as the emperor. Mm-hmm. I had yep. no idea it was the same yeah, guy. Yeah, got him to come back. In the prequels, he plays himself much younger, right? He's basically mm-hmm. that yeah. guy in the prequel-wise, but without the makeup, yeah. I kept thinking that they did a thing like they did with Anakin Skywalker's ghost. I kept thinking, oh, they've retrograde re-put, but I went back and got the originals. No, it's Ian mm-hmm. McDormand. It's originally him. Um, yep. Originally, a guy named Alan Webb was supposed to play the Emperor, mm. but he dropped out because he got sick. Uh, oh. Some other people that were up for the role, Lindsay Anderson, Ben Kingsley, ben, and David Shushet. I can see Ben Kingsley. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Gandhi becomes the emperor. Yeah. <laughs> Gandhi becomes the I, emperor. I think I, I'm happy that Ian McDormand is yes. the guy. Who oh, me too. Yeah, there. for sure. Yeah. yeah. And I'm saying his name wrong, but I don't give a shit. That's okay. Uh, Darth Vader. Let's get to him. David Prowse and James Earl Jones. Oh, now, mm. you got to have David Prowse for the physicality, but yep. if you don't have James Earl Jones, Jones, it's not Darth Vader. I don't give a shit. Yeah, it's I mean, not. I know that other people have done the voice in different media. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But nah, James Earl Jones are bust on Darth Vader. Now, is it true? I remember hearing that David Prowse did not know his voice was going to be replaced when he was, took the role too. and recorded mm-hmm. the scenes. Yeah. And yep. was somewhat surprised to find out. But yes. it wasn't. Yeah. But dude, you have a job. You've been paid. Hush. Do you want me back to the next movie or not? So. Yeah. Well, yep. not just that, but you got replaced by James Earl Jones. You know you what? Know, <laughs> you, you should understand that, right? It's <laughs> a good point. It's right. like if all of a sudden Mo stopped talking and James Earl Jones's voice started coming out of his face, we would be okay with that. Mo, we'd miss you, but not terribly. Not miss you, miss you. It's like, honey, you're leaving me. Oh, you're leaving me for Brad Pitt. I get it. Right? It's like I understand. Uh, in the reveal scene later on at the end of the film, we do yeah. have mm. Sebastian Shaw as Anakin Skywalker. So this is the first actor to play Anakin Skywalker, not the Hayden Christensen, which that guy gets a lot of shit. God bless him. He did his best. I'm yeah, not going to give the guy shade. He tried. Yeah, I agree too. I always wondered why they just didn't have Prowse play Anakin Skywalker since they already had an actor playing inside of the suit. The voice wasn't the same once the suit came off. Was he just not a good actor or in that film? Uh, yeah, in Jedi. Maybe he's not the right look. But you're covered with prosthetics. Yeah, I know Shaw is substantially smaller okay, than yeah. Prowse, 
Yeah. So I wonder, the only thing I, and this makes no sense, so this can't be right, but could it have been like <laughs> a camera angle you. kind of thing or some shit? I don't hmm. know. I don't know. But, yeah. I, it was always curious to me that they had a third guy play him just for that little bit when you had two other people already playing him and, hmm, and you hadn't seen him yet. Just but. they really hated David Prowse's voice because they just didn't want that shit anywhere, apparently. That's true. I remember someone once saying that the, the dailies, they were saying he was a space hillbilly because he has a bit of a Southern accent. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. So maybe it wasn't his appearance. Maybe he just didn't have the voice that could have been the, the vocal changed suit from voice. Right. Yeah, right. It just wouldn't fit. Okay. Anyway, just curious. Uh, we did get, as you alluded to, John, we get the Alec Guinness comeback, you know, as the ghost Obi-Wan mm-hmm. Kenobi. Yeah, ghost you are. Situation. But I think my favorite film debut of that era, Warwick Davis's first feature film as Wicket. He was a young man. Wasn't he like in his teens or something? He was a uh, Yeah, young? very young. I think he, yeah. I don't think he was even 20 yet. Oh boy. Yeah. Wow. And then he went on to be Willow and just, mm-hmm. yeah, he was a big working actor. That was his first yeah. role. I didn't know that was his first he role. He played in the Harry Potter franchise. Yeah. That's right. Professor Flitwick. Yep. Actually, yeah. he's a Gen Xer. He was yeah. born in 1970. All right, Warwick. That's right. There you go. So you'd <laughs> have been he 12. He should be listening to this show, right? <laughs> That's right. I'm sure he's listening. Thanks, Warwick. He was 12 when he filmed that. 12. So he wasn't even a teenager. Wow. 82, 70? That's yeah. 12. That's 12. Wow. Yeah. There you go. Damn crazy jeez what a cast well just across the board it's just it's and again you said all these people aside from maybe hamill all of them continued to have careers maybe the guy i don't know i don't know if anthony daniels did other things but he also wasn't typecast to prevent him from doing other things right like poor right. skywalker right. was you know hamill you know, and i was wondering like i'm trying to think of an earlier example of like a trilogy or multiple movies sequence movies where they kept the same cast without people cycling i mean what's the earlier trilogy the closest thing you're going to get is james bond and that's just one actor with three or four other support actors. But that's why this trilogy is so beloved, Mo, because you had those same people sticking together Mm -hmm. either through contract or through (laughs) love of what they were doing to make Mm -hmm. this wonderful set of films that we still know and love today. It's almost like three people who stick together to do a podcast for six years. Wow. Amazing. Well, hey, podcast listener, my name is Vince, and I'm the host of a show called The RR Show. It stands for Reddit Readings. We're going to sit down twice a week, and I'm going to bring you the most entertaining stories from all of the best subreddits that exist online. Things like malicious compliance, petty revenge, hey, lady, I don't work here. Oh, there's so much more. Lots of great stories and things you won't believe. Like the one time uh, this dude was caught in a bathroom with his friend and he was slapping them because that was the only way that he could actually legitimately help them. A mall cop comes in with a taser. Oh, yeah, the rest is history. It's going to be fun. There is, uh, I don't know, I got like 20 seconds left, so I don't got much more time to tell you another story. But just join me on The RR Show. It's from Evergreen Podcast, produced in partnership with Wessler Media. So The RR Show. Wherever you get podcasts, subscribe today. And uh, it's like an adult story time. Let's hang out together. The RR Show. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. Each episode of Gen X Grown Up has show notes loaded with links where you can learn more about our topics. And there's even more to see and hear over at GenXGrownUp.com. Your VCR may never be the same. It's coming February 25th. Return of the Jedi. It's thrilling. It's dangerous. It's delightful. It's the movie our whole galaxy has been waiting for. So reserve your copy now. 
and invite a friend over. Return of the Jedi from CBS Fox. Okay, now I have something to contribute to the Star Wars Return of the Jedi backtrack. <laughs> this, this, look, I love this film, but not as much as so many people who are much more invested in it than I am. Um, and we've alluded, we talked about, you know, how it got made and the amazing talent that got it made and kind of, you know, their histories and somewhat. But the thing that makes this so powerful is the story and how the story beats mm-hmm. resonate and how it, it kind of culminated these other two films in this trilogy that at the time we thought was the last Star Wars we would ever see. Mm-hmm. And in rewatching Jedi, and I watched the despecialized version, you know, the one mm-hmm. that they kind of backed out all of the Lucas changes, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. uh, and on, admittedly, it looks crunchier and grittier and not as perfect, but it was okay because it's from 83. It didn't bother me. Right. But the thing that really struck me as really awe-inspiring that you didn't think about when you saw it the first time because you're too close to it is as I'm watching it, I'm like, when I was in the theater watching it, I didn't know how these things were being revealed for the first time were going to be touchstone things that everybody on the planet knows. Like, oh, there's a ranker. Now everybody knows Mm -hmm. what that is. (laughs) A Sarlacc. Here's Indoor. Here's the Ewoks. All these things that now you can't talk to somebody and go, do you know what an Ewok is? Nobody goes, no, what is it? Everybody knows. (laughs) But it's, it's neat kind of like being at the origin of of it and going, oh, nobody ever heard of this until this moment in this film. And now it is an absolute cornerstone of pop culture. Yeah. And it was oh, just, wow. it was a neat way to watch it thinking about it like that. Like that was the first time, right? Yeah. You know, the first time all this stuff yeah. was in the world. Yeah. You know, and it's funny because I actually, I watched the special edition that he did. You I did? watched that okay. version of it and it, it bothered me to be honest, because I wish I had not watched it, but I was kind of like, okay, it's already mm. on. I don't feel like mm-hmm. getting up. <laughs> but every time something was different it was it caught my attention one like it was very obvious that it was Pulled something right. different yep. and i didn't find a single thing he added that added to the movie you know that made it better that made it at least for me like i couldn't see like yeah i couldn't think of anything that like substantially like oh wow i'm so glad he did that part because it right it, it made that scene yeah, so much better you know i mean you get what a flying scene of them going into moss Eisley, mm-hmm. right that's one of the first things Things added. You get a bunch of extra characters in some of those walking yeah, around background scenes. characters they threw in. You get the scene the with Solo and Jabba. Yeah, in the hangar. Oh yeah, that was in Star Wars. The first Star Wars. Well, this is all yeah. in the first film you're talking yeah, about. Oh yeah, film. in the first. I'm thinking of the first Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, this I one. I don't even like, know. Was there anything extra in yeah. Return? The Sarlacc. That they that creature was completely different in the special. They made him look. Different. That's right. Yeah. They added a bunch of digital right. stuff mm-hmm. to it. Yeah, yeah. He had a, like a like a um a Maurice the plant thing exactly. Yeah, little puppet thing. Little shop of horrors kind of deal going on there. (laughs) Right. Yeah, and there was just little things like that throughout the movie. And I'm looking at these, I'm like, actually, they just sort of draw my, like, it doesn't look right. It just didn't Mm -hmm. fit, you know? So, again, did it get me to the theater to watch it when he did it? Yeah. (laughs) Did it get me to buy the DVDs when he did it? Yeah. So, I guess it... it, it, It succeeded on his side, but for me, I don't see a point behind it. In preparation for this backtrack, we reached out to a lot of our listeners over on Discord to ask them about their most memorable parts of Jedi. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do that in the next segment. But first, I think it'd be interesting to kind of run round table here and talk about our favorite either moments or scenes or whatever from this film, especially because it's fresh in our mind. And George, why don't we start with you? Is just anything that jumps out at you that's so memorable for you about this film? Uh, yeah, well, I'm going to talk about it because it stood out to me in the same way that Mo was just talking about in the specialized edition, the Sarlacc Maurice plant thing stood mm-hmm. out to him. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to talk about this in every movie we review from here till the end of time. And that's <laughs> okay. wherever they place the Wilhelm scream. So oh, of course. the Wilhelm scream <laughs> is this famous <laughs> piece of 
Sally, ah, you know, whatever. It is. <laughs> uh, that's in everything from cowboy movies to science fiction. And in this place, it's in that same Sarlacc pit battle scene. I heard it. One of yep. the guys, he gets mm-hmm. hit with in the shoulder with a lightsaber from Luke on the little <laughs> the rickety floating thing. And he goes into the Sarlacc pit with that Wilhelm scream. Yeah. And I'm just like, <laughs> that is so fucking out of place in a sci-fi desert Sarlacc pit scene. <laughs> but it it drew my attention the same way you know yeah. that your thing did it's like was he miked why do we hear his scream so well right. three other people yeah. have already fallen in you know like, it wasn't even subtle wow. like they that didn't guy. no no yeah i noticed it too <laughs> and I'll, I'll tell you because we planned for this backtrack right and we're like let's talk let's i'm watching this film looking for what are the things that stand out to me what are the most mm-hmm. memorable or in my case it's things that i'd forgotten about that really made me smile mm. and the one that I, it was so giddy. I actually rewinded it to watch it some more because I was watching it seriously, but I was a little distracted, you know, but mm-hmm. this one, I'm like, whoa, 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 what just happened? And I think it's so neat how they kind of like elevated C-3PO to God status for the Ewoks, you know, right. yeah, to, yeah. to kind of oh, to, yeah. to help get things going on. But I loved how he's in like the little hut and he's telling the whole story of Star Wars to the Ewoks. <laughs> right. Right. And he's doing the special effects. He's like, "Oh, baby, he's only got Darth Vader." You know, and he's talking in their language. Was doing the sound effects. Yeah, is that what it was? Yeah, and then he talks a little bit more, and then he talks about lightsaber. You hear noises, (laughs) and so these two are creating the entire, like the whole movies, all the whole trilogy. Yeah, three PO is telling, and they loved it like we love it. Like they were getting (laughs) into it. So in the basically, it means in the world of Star Wars, the story of Star Wars is entertainment for someone in the world of Star Wars. Ewoks love this story, and I thought that the was the little so cool. baby Ewok shivering when he's talking he's about scared. the scary yeah. parts. Yeah, it's oh, scary. That was, I think that, that is was so awesome. neat. And he does when Han Solo gets in the carbonite, and then when the Ewoks goes up to Han Solo and like starts like stroking him or something because <laughs> <laughs> he knows he's the guy, right? right? <laughs> I, just, I thought that was amazing, and I'd forgotten about it until I watched it this time, and I'm like, oh my god, that's so cool. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. One of the first scenes that came in my mind was not so much from the scene itself, but the experience of seeing it the first time is very clear in my head because, you know, we were hungry for this movie and this movie came out three years after the last one, I think instead of two years, if I'm not mistaken, Mm. right? We were like starving for the next Star Wars movie. Everyone was talking about it. Everyone wanted to see, especially the way the second one kind of ended on a cliffhanger, Mm -hmm. you know? And the first one, I remember the first scene when first, you know, you see R2-D2, C-3PO, and every time when the characters appeared, the theater just started applauding. Like, there they are! Oh, right? yeah. <laughs> like, everyone's like, yeah! Then when, and then when Luke Skywalker walked up. the band back together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then when Luke Skywalker, like, came up and finally took his hood off, you know, the, put the hood yep. back. Like, everyone was oh, like, shit, the crowd just is. went, the crowd just went nuts <laughs> and broke out applause. And at the end, and then they applaud at the end when he's like, when, you know, Lando Keller's is like, we're out of here. You know, when they finally save everybody, yep. I mean, I swear the theater just erupted and <laughs> I was with them too. Cause it was, it was, it was, I think the perfect opening scene for that movie, because it just put you right back into the mindset, into where you need to be to see the rest of that film. And that's in the era when you didn't know anything that was going to happen. There was right. no reliable internet rumor mill. Right. Spoilers didn't reach you. And it was theaters packed with people who'd stood around the block to get in and every yeah. seat was taken and everyone was invested. Nobody was fucking with a phone because first they didn't have phones. <laughs> we didn't have phones. But they weren't fussing with anything, right? Yeah. They were there right. for the movie. And yeah. I, I missed that that experience of the crowd applauding at a screen, at some yeah. light on a screen because they're in it. Like, yeah, yeah this is, the that doesn't happen to you. <laughs> it doesn't matter right, to exactly. them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I got to say one of my favorite scenes and this one, you know, I know we're talking about emotions and memories and things mm-hmm. like that, but it was a scene that I really enjoyed in Return of the Jedi was it was really Lando's speed run through the Death Star to the That core. was cool. Right? Oh, right. That was oh, yeah. cool. And I loved it for a lot of different reasons. Number one, it obviously mimics Luke's run mm-hmm. through the Death Star right. Trench in the first film. We also had that cool as hell, like, amphibian co-pilot guy. Right. I don't know <laughs> what the fuck he yeah, is. I don't know what he is either. But... With the laugh that he did. <laughs> oh, the short guy. <laughs> yeah. The short guy with like the... The short guy with the flaps on the his wet face. wet fish lips. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. He was yeah. cool. Yeah. He was really fun. And... I I love that there were real consequences to it because as they're flying through the superstructure, ships are hitting the walls and bouncing off of each Mm -hmm. other. Even the Millennium Falcon takes some serious damage, you know, at one point when it hits the (laughs) the satellite dish gets blown off the roof. Yeah, (laughs) And Lando had sworn, not a scratch. (laughs) Not a scratch. (laughs) As soon as that that, that thing came off, like, oh, damn, Solo's going to be pissed at you. (laughs) But plus the fact that it was originally Lando's ship. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. Before it was Solo's, I'm thinking about all these different things. And I love the fact that they gave that that Death Star kill to not one of the main characters. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you're right. It was the Rebellion Army. Yeah. It was always, you know, a main character was the one who was going to get the last word. In the first film, it's Luke blowing up Death Star. In the second film, it's Darth Vader, you know, cutting off Luke's hand, right? Mm -hmm. Somebody, one of the main people, not in this one, not give it to Lando. Let yeah. him go in there and blow shit up. Yeah. I love that. I love yep. the scene that the, like when they're flying out and the explosion with the Millennium Falcon, like flying through the it's explosion. Like the the flames the are coming behind yeah. them, like space flames. But yeah, I get it. Space <laughs> flames. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> Things can blow up. Sure. I'm going yeah. with it. Yeah. Yeah. That was cool. The another one, which is again, I'm thinking like the memories of it more so than the scene is, mm-hmm. you know, the climactic. Luke versus Vader, right? At the end. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, heavy. Mm. And, you know, the how, whole like, movie was worth waiting to get to that part. Right. And how <laughs> yeah. Luke's like, they're fighting, fighting, fighting. And now Luke's like hiding, basically. And mm-hmm. Vader's trying to fight. Like, he's right. using the force almost, I think, to make himself invisible or something. And then when he mentions Leia and Luke mm-hmm. loses his shit. He's like, I'm coming out of hiding. <laughs> Don't talk about my sister. Exactly. Get my sister's right. name out your damn mouth. <laughs> and just like, just brute force beats Vader. Oh, I mean, it wasn't yeah. it wasn't style at all. It was just brute force. Him just beating on him, beating on him. Did the hatred flow through you. And the thing that got me though, and this is the part that just still cracks me up, is that when the Emperor now is like, now you die, and he's shooting him with the lightning thing, right? Right. And they keep flipping the Vader. They keep flipping back to Luke. And they keep flipping back to Vader. The theater, a guy, in the, I remember a it was a woman in the crowd said, what the hell are you waiting for? <laughs> what well, wasn't amazing that with that mask and the editing and the angles, you could tell that he was having doubts just by the right. turn of his head and how long he looked at things. You knew he was about to snap. And, and that guy but knew she, it. But she, yeah, but she, I mean, just this woman's voice, like, cause we're all like dead quiet, like watching the thing and Luke screaming, help me, help for? me. And she's like, what the hell are you waiting for? And then he, then he grabs him and everyone starts applauding. <laughs> Oh, there's a scene near the end. Also, as we're getting toward the end of the film, fortunately we stack these in order toward the through the film, yeah, almost like we planned. Much, it. Yeah, uh, this is just a moment. This is just a beat. We were talking earlier about Han Solo, like who else could have played Han Solo because he's already that guy, you know? Right. Uh, Ford is so near the end, and they've they've just about taken care of disabling the shield generator, mm-hmm. and uh, they they call up to the Death Star and they act like you know, oh everything's good. We just about got it eliminated. We just need a little more uh, backup to mop up the remaining people and really they were trying to draw the guys out of the shield generator so they could go in and they walk out they step behind him they're hiding on the wall and han solo walks up in the middle of looks at the guys and gives them this fonzarelli kind of 
Hey, this, this look, that's the most Han Solo thing I've ever seen Han Solo do. It encapsulated his entire character for me. He's like, you dumb shits. Look what happened to you. Han Solo got the best of you. Ha ha. But he just said it with a posture. Just, eh, let this good look. I, I loved just, that was another one I rewound. I'm like, I just want to watch him just be snarky at all these Imperial guys super again. snarky. Because it was neat. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that even kind of circles back to what we were talking about before. We talk about the talent, how we had seen these people now for three films. It would have been unthinkable for those people to not be back because then we wouldn't have had, Han Solo wasn't going to be in the film and we got mm-hmm. what arguably is the most Han Solo moment at the end of the third <laughs> film that he wasn't necessarily going to be in. And that it, that's why these, these scenes and these characters and these movies had such and continue to have such a dramatic impact on everything, not just pop culture, entertainment, every other movie for that matter. Right. All right. Hey, when we get back from this break, we're going to get into those fourth listener comments, what they remember about Jedi. Stick around. Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotis, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah. right? And yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Chapotas. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network. If you're a diehard Gen X grown-up, you can pledge your support by clicking join on YouTube or by becoming a patron at genxgrownup.com slash Patreon. Crystal Magic's Return of the Jedi makes the action with Presto Magic's Return of the Jedi Super Transfer Set, you get a big action board and over 150 Star Wars transfers to make the action come alive. Watch this! Here comes Darth Vader! Oh no! Hold on, Han, I'll save you! Presto Magic's with all of your favorites makes Go the action come alive. We love our fourth listeners, all the great supporters who listen to the show and comment and write in and tell us what they like and they don't. Uh, and we had such a good time with, uh, what was the episode we did not long ago? It was all fourth listeners, the lunchroom, right? The, the, that yeah. backtrack, mm, right? Yeah. Uh, so George had the great idea. You know what? Let's reach out to the fourth listeners in case they have memories from Jedi. And you're not going to be super surprised. There's some overlap between the things we love <laughs> and the things they love. <laughs> Let me jump right in. We have five or six of these. Uh, listener Brody Quinn over on Discord uh, writes in and says, I remember being annoyed that Chewbacca didn't get a medal along with everyone else. Mm. That's in the first film. Yeah. Well, they explained that. Did they? Princess Leia was too short. Oh, really? She, she well, the first well, they don't explain that in a movie. No, but that but, was right, right, right. Later. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, it says, and of course, Leia in the gold bikini. Big highlight yeah, oh, yeah. for Brody Quinn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a bad highlight. <laughs> no, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it says, I'm sure I'm not alone on that one. Even Ross on Friends was into that. 
<laughs> hey, it wasn't just Ross and Friends. That scene yep. is so iconic. Like even the movie, uh, what was it? The Internship. Mm-hmm. The one where the two guys go to Google. The Google, right. There's like a character that she's there and she's like into S&M stuff. And she's like, oh yeah, you guys would be the greatest Luke and Han ever. I'd be Princess Leia, metal top bikini <laughs> thing around my neck. Slightly choking. <laughs> Like slightly joking about. Uh, he wraps up by saying, "I will say this was the last great Star Wars movie, though." Mm. You think about that? Yeah, I, guess, uh, I don't know. They had some, they had some good ones, but are they great? I don't know that it was. I don't know that it was great. Okay, it was really good. It was the weakest of the three originals yeah. for me. Really? Yeah, okay. we, we've already we've had, about, we've yeah, we've had this debate. So we argued about that already. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I like the ones that have come out more recently mm-hmm. I, more than a, well i even like some of the trailer you know what i like star wars fuck it i don't give go. it i'm not going to be yeah. ashamed anymore i like all the star wars films <laughs> well, you know, the things people don't remember is young people don't re- realize that gen xers were growing up and after jedi that was the end of star wars yeah. we weren't getting anything else now we heard the christmas rumor of three more films yeah. three more films yeah. oh, oh it's supposed to be because he, oh, he started with shove your christmas special four. Dress. i mean he said it was episode <laughs> right. four when he started it so we're like we're yeah. in the three first three and then we thought it was it so now we're getting stuff Look, like you said, George, take what it's a buffet. Eat what you want. You don't have to eat everything on the buffet. It's all food you can enjoy. If you don't like the shrimp, have the steak. If you don't like the steak, have the lobster. You know, whatever. It's it's different flavors of the same kind of palate. And I'm not giving Brody Quinn shit at all. No, I I get it. Yeah. It's his opinion. No, he's definitely he's not horribly Mm -hmm. wrong or anything (laughs) like that with that statement. It's just, I don't know. They stick Star Wars on it. I'm going to freaking watch it. I mean, yeah, there's yeah, new yeah. series coming out every goddamn day on and Disney+. I'm gonna Plus. Watch I'm going to watch every single one of them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. Our next listener, Inscrutable Owl. Uh, relatively recent, just the last few months, and got real, real active and a great supporter. Uh, hit us up on Discord. Says, I remember being disappointed that Boba Fett died so early and cheaply in the first mm, act. Yeah. Yeah. I know a lot the of people were Boba Fett was fans. Bad. Yeah. 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 Uh, I was so looking forward to seeing a big battle between him and either Han or Londo but the Mandalorian makes up for it at least. Yeah. 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 Along with Leia's bikini, there's another vote for Leia's bikini. (laughs) (laughs) I remember being thrilled when she took off her helmet to reveal herself to Han. That was terrifically exciting. That was nice. That was cool, right? It was just some bounty hunter. who loves you. Yeah. Oh, that was cool. That was great. Uh, Marcus, longtime supporter. Marcus first says, uh, I'm going to also sign off on Leia's bikini, he mentions. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And then he goes on to say, losing my mind when R2 shot Luke his lightsaber and he fires it up and just starts wailing on people yep (laughs) that was exciting it was one of the only outings i ever remember having alone with my aunt she was on a college break and took me to see it the half-sized walkers i thought were awesome oh yeah little two foot steppers yeah oh yeah at st is that right atst okay yeah i remember collecting the tops trading cards a pack at a time over the whole summer till i had all of them Mm. Uh, finally the scene where luke very suddenly uses the force to snatch the lightsaber and has his swing to kill the emperor blocked by vader yeah they go from too much talking with no laser swords to an iconic lightsaber clash within part of a second yep yep yeah yeah because he was seething right and the emperor is like like let the hate flow through you you're (laughs) coming to my side and he's resisting like i don't want to i don't want my hate to take over and finally he's like fuck it i'm on i'm going yeah best line in that scene is when ian mcnorman he goes he just casually moves his hand over to the lightsaber and he goes Mm -hmm. you want this yes (laughs) yeah yeah he knew just so creepy and narcissistic all at the same time touch it uh, touch my saber (laughs) <laughs> when, um, 
when when R2D just throw the lightsaber to Luke because part of the thing was like wait a minute Luke lost his lightsaber last week yeah like what you do know? you do mm-hmm. and then when he flipped out it's like oh, it's green you know <laughs> it's like it's a new lightsaber you know it yep. was pretty cool oh that didn't that didn't register with me I didn't realize that it was a new yeah. one because it was a different color that's how you could tell because yeah. it's the crystal inside or something yes, the is that how it works the color. Yeah. yep the kyber Ooh. crystal yeah I you got something. it George <laughs> I've, I've been to the Disney theme park you I made know your how lightsaber. much that shit yeah. Uh, Sparks 821 hit us up and said one of the best effects I thought at the time was the chase through the forest on the oh, speeder yeah. bikes mm. Mm. oh yeah just the fast motion of the trees whizzing by and the troopers and Leia dodging everything really set the pace a few years later I found out how they achieved that effect they would walk through the forest with a camera and capture a frame every second or two yeah and then when they played it back in real time, that would speed everything up on film. Star Wars had its trench run. Empire had the snow speeder up and down the snow hills. Jedi had this. Oh, yeah. Yep. yep. That's fair. Um, actually, it's the Muir Woods up north, of, just north of San Francisco. And I went there. I was actually saw, Did you? walking through it. Oh, and I'm like, wow. yeah, this is this is it. Did you find that tree that was broken in half falling no, over? No, I looked. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really big forest. It's a huge place. <laughs> but still, just the idea, but I was sitting there, I'm like, this looks familiar. And I'm like, wait a Why minute. Why are there <gasps> not? That's what? like signs up at that forest here's where this part of jedi was shot that should be everywhere right little they landmarks would get a billion visitors a year and they could charge Do money. a walking trail right of all the different places yeah. yeah here's where they they swung the things and smashed the at st you know all those places <laughs> yeah i was thinking about the speeder bikes chase mm-hmm. and it occurred to me is there possibly any worse vehicle to drive in any worse environment <laughs> than these bikes in this forest because they go like a bat out of hell yeah. in tight quarters where it's hard to turn. There's vines and shit everywhere. And they have these two little hooky fins on the front that get could easily get stuck in anything. Mm-hmm. Big ass trees. Why would they not have like a, a bubble to roll in or something that could bounce <laughs> off of trees? Why would you have these crazy bikes? It was exciting. Granted, it was exciting. But yeah. it seemed like the most impractical vehicle in that forest ever. Or fly <laughs> above the forest. Sure. Right. Yeah. Don't fly inside. <laughs> anything else. <laughs> All right, one more. George, this is from Stubaka, as you have been known to say. There you Uh, go. (laughs) Stubaka wrote in and said, my favorite memory of Return of the Jedi is the speeder scene on on Endor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Northern Cali in the Redwood National Forest, as you said, Mo. I was born in California, and although my earliest childhood memory is watching the Death Star explode in the original Star Wars when I saw Jedi and the speeder scene in it, it actually gave me homesickness. Oh, Oh. really? We had moved to Texas in 80, and I still miss those Redwoods. Mm. Wow. It's a personal connection back to Jedi. And you yeah. weren't expecting it. Like, you didn't know it was going to be in Jedi. You didn't know it was going to be races through the Redwood Forest. And can you imagine sitting there and going, oh, where I grew up? You know, here's the yeah. area that I know so well. That had to be cool. Wow, man. I don't know. I think we survived an entire Return of the Jedi backtrack without getting into any fights over anything. I'm so happy. There's no Han shot first stuff in Return of the Jedi. <laughs> We've fought before. Yeah, we've already we've done our we've fighting about Jedi debate. already. Got out of yeah. our systems. <laughs> Guys, I want to thank you for your research in this, you know, gathering information, oh. for helping me understand stuff. You know, I, th- I think you said like D&D, Moe's like, I don't need to do much research. It's already in my head. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, all right. Hey, fourth listener, if you did not get your comments in about Return of the Jedi, Jedi, and this is a, if this is a memorable film for you, if there's something particularly memorable about this film for you, this very well, if we get enough response on this one, this might be one of our fourth listener feedback episodes, because I have a feeling we're going to get a lot of email about this. So don't hesitate, write in. Uh, we try to feature all of our fourth listeners, and I, I know everybody has something to say yeah. about I should say anything about maybe the whole oh, the first trilogy, right? Because we pretty much covered them all at this point. Yeah. Star Wars, yeah. Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. So yeah. any comments on any of that? Oh, yeah. 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 All right. Hey, guys, 
That's going to wrap it up for this backtrack. I'm so grateful that you're here. I'm so grateful to the fourth listeners to uh, hang out with us. Uh, we're going to be back in two weeks with another backtrack. And next week is the regular edition of our show. Until then, I am John. George, thank you so much for being here. Yes, sir. Mo, you know I appreciate you, man. Always fun, man. Fourth listener, it is you we all appreciate most of all. And we will talk to you again next time. Bye-bye. See you guys. Take care, everybody. JetX Grown Up is a member of the Evergreen Podcast family. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. Unacceptable for grown ups. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown up. Are you sure your blood sugar's not going low? Oh, because I was stuttering? No. Yeah. <laughs> not with this Kool Aid. You know what I thought was funny is that uh, when Vader got his hand chopped off and he had a robotic hand too, mm -hmm. not knowing what I knew about everything else, the science fiction nerd in me was like, oh, it's his future self because he also has a fake hand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just, it was a coincidence of, he like his whole body was like that basically. Right. So I, and now I know what happened to him exactly because I understand that Vader was all fucked up. I thought he was just in a suit, but he's, his suit's right. kind of him. Yeah. Anyway. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.